Good morning and welcome to Monday morning, November the 28th in 2022 on When Our Eyes. Today we begin year eight, the second Sunday of Advent, and on the Monday of the week, I'd like to take a look at the Old Testament passage, which comes to us in this week from the Revised Common Lectionary in this week of the church's calendar year. And so we find ourselves back into the prophetic book of Isaiah, a little bit more forward where last week, Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. So let me read that passage provide a couple points for reflection, and then we'll spend our time praying along the theme that we find there. Thanks for making this part of your morning on When I Rise. Let's allow our souls to rise and meet God together in a time of prayer. Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. A shoot will grow up from the stump of Jesse. A branch will sprout from his roots. The Lord's Spirit will rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, a spirit of planning and strength, a spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He will delight in fearing the Lord. He won't judge by appearances nor decide by hearsay. He will judge the needy with righteousness, decide with equity for those who suffer in the land. He will strike the violent with the rod of his mouth. By the breath of his lips, he will kill the wicked. Righteousness will be the belt around his hips, and faithfulness the belt around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb, and the leopard will lie down with the young goat. The calf and the young lion will feed together, and little children will lead them. The cow and the bear will graze. Their young will lie down together, and a lion will eat straw like an ox. A nursing child will play over a snake's hole. Toddlers will reach out over will reach right over the serpent's den. They won't harm or destroy anything on my holy mountain. The earth will surely be filled with the knowledge of the Lord, just as the waters cover the sea. On that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a signal to the peoples. The nations will seek him out, and his dwelling will be glorious. This is the word of God for us. about you but sometimes I wonder about where our idioms come from right uh, these sayings that we have and I'm always um, interested in what other cultures have for idioms and why they use them and where their story comes from and why did it uh, become something that is common in the parlance of different communities and we got this saying in our culture called passing the smell test and I wonder where that came from my hunch is it's like this is something that parents would say like after their kids were out with their friends on Friday, Saturday nights or whatever and they come in to say goodnight to them they take a whiff of their breath to see if their kids have been up to no good or if they are going to pass the smell test why linger on something like this? well, it's because uh, something from this passage I dug up from some of the research that I do as I prepare for it but uh, this word delight so we go back to Isaiah 11 Uh, verse 3 it says he shall delight in the fear of the lord Um, there's a lot of different metaphors and images that come from the hebrew language and one that comes for this word delight is the word to for smell or an odor or an aroma okay and it might come from the cultic practices of offering sacrifices to god Um, in the wisdom of the ancients whenever they wanted to commune with their god they would create a burnt up sacrifice, almost like giving a meal to God because that meal would turn into vapor over its heat and it would rise to the heavens and one would
would sense like this great smell that uh, wafts before the nose of the Holy One or the Holy Ones, depending on, upon the community. And so perhaps this is the one of the lingering metaphors that came with, with this idea of delight. And so when we get to put that, you know, read that back into Isaiah 11, it seems to fit the context, right? Uh, it seems as if Isaiah and his contemporaries and those who came before uh, Isaiah and those who came after him, even us to this day, we're looking for someone who's going to pass the smell test. Someone who's not just um, all foam and no beer, all bark without a bite, right? Someone who actually has like some uh, fortitude, uh, someone there's like their reputation is formidable, that things that people are saying about them is actually true and real. Um, if they're the same person that they are on their Instagram feed, right? I mean, they're, they're not carefully curated. They're actually somebody else. And so this is what happens in Isaiah 11. Uh, this one that everyone's been waiting on, someone who's able to do two things at once, grant justice to those who've been trampled upon and to provide life to the vulnerable. That's on the one hand. And on the other hand, it's to stand up to the bullies, to the threats that uh, govern the world and that are crushing it into oblivion. Uh, because uh, the Jews were creational monotheists, meaning that they believe that this one creator God is also the God they worship and is above all things. Um, they, they wanted this God to do something about the world that God created, right? And so uh, this what's been whispered uh, throughout the pages of time in the Old Testament is that um, this person uh, would, would come and would uh, set things right. Uh, they'd be a person of justice and they would fix the world from its mess. Let me share just a little bit of a, a couple uh, sentences from a paragraph that N.T. Wright has. He's got this great book called 12 Months of Sundays where he writes just in some shorthand, using just a paragraph per passage in the lectionary for each week. And this is what Wright says about Isaiah 11. He said, The point of this surprising comment in Isaiah is that the Messiah, when he comes, will judge with fine-honed accuracy. Eyes may deceive, ears may listen to powerful voices, but the Messiah's justice will have a sense of smell attuned by the fear of the Lord, through which wickedness will be identified and dealt with. Out of this sharp-edged judgment, cutting through the fuzzy half-truths with which so much of our human discourse is saturated, will come the time of peace, of harmony, of wolves lying down with lambs, of the earth being filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And so that's all who we're longing for. And during this like, time of Advent, right, where we get to wait again, aren't we waiting for that once more? I mean, we do celebrate the first arrival of Jesus, but we also, um, just with complete honesty and objectivity, we look at the world and say, hey, some more stuff needs to go down here. Like, we need someone to set things right. And one of the prayers of the people that we rehearse again and again in worship is that God would bring things to the rights, whether that be... Um, economic equity, or maybe that's uh, people who have been stiffed by uh, wicked judicial systems, or if neighbors have found loopholes in communal law practices in order to take from some other neighbors, um, if it's, um, you know, maybe schools not being adequately funded and so kids go without. Uh, perhaps it's this uh, person or these groups of people being overlooked at a preference for these people. We look at that and we like pound our fists on the table, don't we? And we say, hey, like something needs to be done about that. Now, there might be a wide variety of responses of how we 
might just have a hunch of how that should be done. And those kind of collect into a couple different political ideologies. One thing we can say on the right or the left politically is that if we're Christian on the right or left politically, we look to a God who's humble, a humble king, who uh, doesn't seek his own end, but seeks to lift the plight of all those who've been broken around him. And that's the God who we pray to today. And so perhaps we'll hold some of those issues in our hearts, those things that cause us to maybe lose a wink of sleep at night, uh, those things that we talk about with friends. And we have this exasperated breath and exasperated tone, like someone needs to do something about that. We have one who's able to hear those prayers, one who takes those requests and confines them to the outworking of his redemptive plans. With those things in mind, we'll spend some time praying to our God this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you today that we don't pray to a God who is uh, disinterested and unable to work within our world. And so we thank you that from the very beginning, you saw the mistreatment of your people. You grieved in your heart. You want to do something about it. And you chose not to give up on this world, even though every inclination of the human heart had become bent on doing something else other than following you. And so this day, we thank you that what we see is a God who's interested, a God who is capable a God who is compassionate. So we pray that you would come down and that you would uh, rule with justice in the earth. We thank you for those who give themselves over to leadership, to organize people, to try to find a better way. But we confess to you, God, with our best efforts, we fall short. And so we call to you once more and we ask that you would move within our systems, that you would also move outside of our systems. Ultimately, that you move into our hearts. Allow us to be humble like you our humble King. And I pray that that humility would pave the way for equity and justice to the ends of the earth. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.